Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. Feeling loose, feeling limber. All right, we're at it. Episode 137, and we have a special one coming to you today. It's going to be our Moose Camp edition. Now, I wasn't there, but I got Chase and Sheldon around the table there, and uh, those two gentlemen were up in camp. I missed it this year. I'm excited because we're going to get, at least in my view, a, a, a full rundown. I haven't got the full rundown yet for for camp so I, I I got a little bit from Chase, but I'm assuming you guys are going to have a little bit more to share today. Is that fair to say? Yeah, hopefully. Um, we'll definitely uh, go through things with like a bit of a fine-tooth comb as long as they don't get too boring. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll tell the tale as it, was, I was, as it was lived. Did you guys get haircuts, both of you? Last week. I got a haircut a couple, couple weeks ago. You guys are looking tight. I need to get a haircut, like yeah, ASAP. <coughs> I uh, yeah, I was looking a little bit like uh, looking a little squatchy in Moose Camp there. <laughs> you can't cut that until hunting season's done, Sheldon. No, I think I should. It's like it's getting bad. It's long, so it looks like it was looking like a, you had a couple knots in it when we we're on the way home there from camp. <laughs> <laughs> I had a brush for like an hour. He's like an old sheepdog. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, so for context, well, actually, for context here, I'm going to pour myself a whiskey just to get in the flow of the conversation, if that's all right with you two guys. Yeah. That's perfect. I'm actually fairly jealous. I don't have any whiskey. And for anybody that's listening, my computer audio, I'm using the audio through the computer because my audio system is shitty right now and i'm in a hotel up north so uh surprise surprise but at least i'm happy i got to get on with you guys it's been a while since we, all three of us been on it's been a long time since we've all been together to, to have a chat so it's nice finally wait till you get in person one of these years i know i know it's gonna happen yeah that's if you ever come down from the north sheldon i feel like you've been in the north since uh last winter basically I know, I hear you, but I mean, a couple more weeks, and I'm going to be down south hunting deer. So maybe um, when I'm on my holidays, we can get together for for something. Yeah, just don't count on us setting you up in a blind or something, because all our blinds are fucked up by bears at the moment. So <laughs> I seen that on Instagram. It's pretty. It's not funny, but it's kind of funny because you're like eating cheesies in there, and the next day it's like fucked up. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. They like Again. the cheesies. I thought we were talking about moose hunting here, right? We're talking about everything but moose right now. Uh, you guys... Yeah, you guys went north. You went north again, back to the camp that uh, a couple of us were at last year. North of Gillum, Manitoba. That's, I feel like that's pretty far north, eh? Like, it's there's not a lot of country between you and Nineveh at that point in time. Like, there's still a fair bit, but I guess you're closer to the the Hudson Bay at that point in time, but like you're running out of real estate, I feel like. Yeah, there's not too many more miles before you hit the the edge of the tree line there, kind of. But 
probably about uh, 50 or so but um and it's kind of weird habitat because there's there's like a lot of tundra up there like it's not your typical southern man like not southern manitoba but like south of there moose yeah. country you know what i mean yeah like you're you're getting out of the shield at that point in time yeah yeah you're well out of the shield at that point so so i believe it's tega is what what it's termed that kind of country yeah and then so you you took the train up from thompson this time right that was a little different yeah yeah so to save us um a from driving the 280 and b to give us a little bit more rest on the way home we we opted to take the train out of thompson uh which means man we had to get there a little earlier which was fine um but it did give us man what was it it's an extra five hours yeah yikes extra five hours on the train to uh, like to rest up on the way home was was the idea and it worked pretty it, good because it paid off yeah because i didn't feel like falling asleep on the ride home this time so it was, it was great <laughs> Good move on that end. was it on the way up to the weir river um that what was it eight hours or nine hours on the train i think it was about eight hours total um meant that we consumed a few beverages from the beverage car so we got <laughs> off the thing pretty good yeah yeah there definitely be a few beverages consumed up there we met a few interesting uh fellas on the way up to told some told some good stories uh one gentleman from out west and then another guy from new york and new jersey i can't remember but <laughs> from new york and tristan this guy was a character he self-proclaimed detective for 30 years i'm pretty sure because his stories just like did not make sense, but at the same time made sense. Like yeah. he had, I don't know, he was just quite the character. And yeah, like you said, he discharges firearm over a hundred times, and <laughs> uh, also threw 104 mile an hour fastball in college. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you don't know unless you were there. Yeah, that's right. It's pretty wild. And uh, speaking of being there. I'm glad I might not have been there for this part, but you you guys like kicked it off a little sideways too with a little luggage shuffle or something like that. What happened there? Well, let, me, let me go chase go for the train. Um, for anybody that's never been on like via rail, especially in the North, there's like stops all over the place to small communities, or if there's like hunters on the line or anybody on the line, canoers, tourists, whatever, they'll stop and pick people up. So their baggage um, in and out is kind of a little loosey-goosey, I'd say. But, yeah, what happened is Trent got his sleeping bag and pillow taken off somewhere, which they believe is Ilford because that's where they found it. And then, um, yeah, then we actually accumulated a few bags from another group <laughs> of hunters that uh, we felt super bad because we looked obviously looked through them and, you know, it was the guy's personal bag with his, you know, um shaving kit with all his stuff in it and his sleeping bag and his like another bag that he's using for hunting so kind of felt bad but they end up picking it up a few days into the trip the train stopped and asked if we had it so we we uh, obviously gave it over but and luckily found Trent's bag um we put in like a claim with via and a couple days later they let us know that they found it so I picked it up and it's in uh, it's actually in Nepal now so yeah, we still have a few items missing from uh, from the trip, and we're not too sure where they disappeared to exactly, but uh, we can get to that later on in the story. Yeah. <laughs> so the, who was all in camp with you guys? You had 
uh Beck was back up there again. So Dylan Beck and then the, this Trent fella. Yeah. So Trent Trent Lays came came up with us this year. Um good buddy buddy Dylan's uh pretty fishy dude, enjoys hunting a lot too. Great, great guy to have in camp. Um monster of a man. And uh yeah, it was uh, a it- good addition. I was gonna say both Trent and Dylan are super fishy guys. Were you guys feeling the the pressure going in, knowing that you're going to go to a, a world class Brook Trout fishing spot? Not the, uh... really, not really, because I think they thought that Chase and I were really moosey guys, so they were probably feeling the pressure. <laughs> they, but and so many things happened that uh, we didn't get on the moose, but uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But the thing is about Dylan, I haven't hung out with him for a few years, but man. I remember listening to this podcast uh, last year, similar time last year, the Moose Hunting Podcast, and I think it was Tristan, you mentioned that he brushes his teeth like 30 times a day and he's got a beautiful smile, but he's like, he's a man rocket. He's got a beautiful smile, man, and the reason why is because he does brush his teeth 30 times a day. So I <laughs> witnessed that. <laughs> you, you got the first-hand experience, eh? Uh, yeah. Shelly, the, uh, the other thing I was wondering too, like what was your impression rolling into camp because like you said you you weren't there last year uh you kind of maybe swapped out spots with me or or jameson or whoever you want to say but um like what was your impression first rolling in and maybe even planning all this were you were you excited where like where was your head at yeah definitely i was definitely um questioning a lot of things like i know there's some uh Obviously, you guys took some unreal pictures last year, but they just didn't do it justice at all. And, like, when we get dropped off, we got dropped off at 2 in the morning, so it's pitch black, (laughs) two more than lights, you know, so I don't really know what's going on. But in the morning, I woke up around whatever day, right before the sun came up, and we just went for a walk to the chamber just to kind of look at some stuff. And then I kind of realized, like, man, we're we're here. We're in the middle of nowhere. And, um, yeah, it was – and then that feeling starts taking over, like – you know, we're going to do it. We're going to see a moose. We're in the middle of nowhere. No one's been here for a long time. But I I guess to answer your question, I was very concerned on what we were getting into. But once we got there, I I, I settled down quite a bit. Oh, nice. Well, what, what were you concerned about? Just like being underpacked or like just not knowing what where you were stepping foot into? Well, the, yeah, like the, the first thing I was kind of concerned about was the accommodations. I know we um, – from what you guys were in last year was a little bit different. So I was kind of thinking, oh, let's bring our tent anyways, just in case. Like you never know what we're going to get to. And and when we're that far away from civilization, it's not like you can run down to the hardware store and grab some plastic or some tape or some electrical wire to fix something up. So I was like, kind of, I kind of wanted to over-prepare, I guess, when it came to accommodations, because in my mind, the worst thing is being cold and wet at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. That. The, the the accommodations did pan out somewhat there was a few kinks i heard um but it it was sleepable is that is that correct yeah the, the accommodations did work out it was uh a bit of a minor disaster when we got there um the the fellow who normally stays there is i don't think he was the last guy that that had stayed there because he from what i gather from last year he normally keeps it camp a little bit cleaner and there was uh there's a pretty big mess when he rolled in there so um we eventually got it cleaned up to a pretty decent state but it was uh it was a pretty good mess when we rolled in there that's for sure mm-hmm. but we made it, it work one, so yeah we made it work it was one of those things when we walked in there and it's just like okay 
let's clean this shit out of the, or not clean the shit out of it, but let's clean this up before we move anything in kind of idea because it was uh it needed a good sweeping and um get some old critters out of the way and we'd be all right but we basically we basically all stayed in the living room of the oh yeah just a big slumber party eh yeah oh yeah it's like staying in a tent yeah but but it was nice compared to last year too because um we did have some like some cooler wetter weather up there this year and uh Having that wood stove bucking all day, being able to dry dry your gear out was nice. Yeah. Having a hard roof over your head might have been nice too, I'd imagine. Yeah. That kind of thing. I uh, will I will say if we did do this again, taking advantage of that that trapper shack, I would definitely do. But I think I would still stay and I'd bring the tent and stay in it and use the trapper shack as um like drying out gear, doing whatever. Because it was a little tight with four guys in that room and um, but that's just my opinion. But yeah, that, that that makes sense, right? You kind of got the best of both worlds at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so Chase, for you heading back into camp for the second second time here, I guess you and Dylan would have been the the two returnees. Where where was your head at? Like, how were you feeling about the 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 return voyage? To we kind of we got shut out last year, but had some incredible brook trout fishing. Had some bad luck with low water uh water was looking higher this year like where 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 was your head at yeah my my hopes were definitely a lot higher going in because of the just the high water higher water situation it wasn't quite too high and it was interesting because you could see it had rained a lot before we like the month before we got up there and then it's in september like the after the first week it just like quit raining up there which is kind of unusual and uh, you could literally see the water must have dropped over a foot for sure, um, probably closer to like foot and a half, two feet um, from the days until we showed up because you could literally see on the bank where the tamarack needles had like would like collect right. and where the water would would sit for a couple of days and then it would drop and then there, there's like different layers of tamarack needles in the mud there. And, uh, so that's kind of cool, but, uh, the, it was definitely higher than last year. So I was high hopes thinking about travel, getting up there with the swell fish. And, uh, but I was, I was really nervous going into camp tube just because I didn't have a lot of time to prepare and, uh, what well, I had time to prepare. I just didn't prepare until the last minute, essentially. <laughs> and, uh, and that definitely amped up the anxiety quite a bit, but all was on that end all was good so by the time we got into camp the uh i think we said this last year going into anxieties were were gone by the time we got in there and and everything was all good it's got to be such a good feeling just uh rolling in and knowing you're settling into to you know six seven day hunt and you got the the world at your fingertips kind of so you guys hit the the water the first morning there obviously eh yeah it was a beautiful day man we got up we we kind of got got rolling after the sun came up. We had a like big breakfast in camp, and got some coffee in us, and uh, just got our boats ready. Got the swellfish rolled out, pumped that up, and then uh, took that down to the water. And yeah, once we got in the water, man, it was like just this beautiful day. And it was there was like we we stopped a couple times. We went we headed uh, west on the river originally. And it, it was like 
no wind. So not a great day for rolling on the river, but mm-hmm. for like finding moose wise, but it was an awesome day to be outside. So yeah, it's kind of sweet. Just appreciating, appreciating life up there. Uh, for the, for the diehards out there, some of, some people might be asking like, or even thinking that I had like, I would have been up before dawn and on the river and in my spot before the, the sun even crested. Like, what are you guys doing? Rolling around, making coffee at camp, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but th- there's reasons for that. eh? like the, the, the terrain is a little different up there. eh? what's why, why aren't you on the water at dark is what I'm saying here. Yeah, we've, yeah done that. Be, we've done that before to be clear yeah the other thing the other thing that we better put in perspective is that a we didn't get off the train till like 2 30 um b and then we sat up and drank till five so <laughs> <laughs> pretty big one but no like and then and then only that like chase said we had to get our boats ready and doing everything in the dark i mean we we might as well have not went to bed but we thought we'd just have a few hours of sleep and then get going and it works out good because when you have some pretty good guys in camp like probably everyone that listens to this podcast knows but like you got a couple guys doing some breakfast um deals and then a couple of guys getting boats ready it it eliminates a lot of that prep time so in reality like yeah we didn't get on the water at seven when the when the sun came up but we we're on the water by 8 30 so it was, I was pretty happy with that and then yeah like you guys like chase and dylan knew like you can't navigate that water in the dark but yeah, even even rolling on it right at right at dusk and dawn is is kind of sketchy because a the the rapids are kind of tough to read in spots and there's there's enough like landmines in the river like rocks that are just just hidden and that the water does not give like any indication that there's an obstruction there and uh, yeah it's like I... those are hard enough to find during the day and at the night nighttime or dusk and dawn they're just impossible so yeah i remember some of the worst rocks last year were just on straightaways and i don't know if it's because the the water was so was going all in the same direction and there was it was deep enough there but like there would just be one rock like six seven inches under the under the water line Mm -hmm. and there would be no ripples around it and you would just come around the you'd be coming straight down the pipe and you'd smoke this thing yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And I, I was a little nervous for you guys in the sense I was thinking like, yeah, you're going to have more water, but there's going to be rocks that were previously visible are going to be submerged now. So you're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, there's, there's definite reasons to hit the water a little later up there, I think. And that was the thing too, as I was like super pumped to get into that swell fish. I've never been in it yet. <clears throat> we got it all put together put it in the water, put the motor on it. Chase and I got all our stuff, threw it in the boat, like a hundred, not even a hundred yards hit the first rock. And I was like, Oh, this is what they meant when there's like lots of rocks in this river. Cause I, and it was exactly what you said. Like there was, there wasn't really much indication that that rock was there and it was covered just enough because the water was high that we just hit it. But we were just putting along at that time. Yeah. What were your first impressions of the swell fish there, Sheldon? You said he hadn't been in it before. I've been talking it up to actually a lot of my friends and family that hunt in the north because, A, I freaking love it for hunting because it's quiet. Like, you can, you know, move a paddle or move your gun or move whatever, and you're not dinging like a side of an aluminum boat. So I really, really love that part of it. And the way it sits up on top of the water where you can stand up, stretch your legs, or take a look or 
take a piss off the side of it doesn't like it's just it's so easy to be on and it's so easy to to yeah just to maneuver and navigate down even the river or whatever like you can sit right on the side of the tube you can sit on your bench it's uh it's a comfortable boat i love it i really do i i found it surprisingly stable when i've been using it too chase uh did you notice a big difference between the swellfish and the canoe when we were when you're you're hunting it oh my god it's such a huge difference the the comfort level is insane and just like like you said just the stability in that thing it just is next level um it's uh you feel so like comfortable and it just just being able to move around and stand up stretch your legs um take a leak off the side you know do whatever you need to do without having to worry about capsizing your your vessel you know what, what I mean? <laughs> and I, I feel like you get some of like you get the benefits of like a shallow, shallow rig. You know what I mean? It's not it's not sitting deep in the water. Yeah. Um, but you also get you get a little bit more depth in your seat. Like you, you sit a little higher out of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I re- I remember the worst part about the canoe for me was I felt like my hip flexors were gonna explode by the the second day because you're you're in this like cramped up position for, you know, four to eight hours a day, depending on how, how long you're on that river for. Yeah. So, uh, the first time I drove that swell fish on the Creek, I was like, Oh yeah, the boys are going to like this one up in moose camp. Yeah. Oh, so good. And it was like to, to pack it in and pack it out was fairly easy. Um, it's obviously two, two man job to move that thing around. You could probably do it by yourself, but um two people is perfect to, to hold that thing around like uh to hold those bags yeah. around so it was uh it was very awesome so you guys were ripping the river to your your first spot did you have a game plan where you headed or was it just kind of head up river and see what happens yeah i think the game plan was just to to check things out and we that's pretty much what we did in the morning there we we just kind of traveled up river and we just met up with uh with Dylan and Trent like midday, had some lunch with them and we 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 traveled as far as we could pretty much. We kinda encountered some some pretty shallow stuff right at the right at the top where we kinda turned around and um yeah, we just turned around and then started traveling down, did a couple of floats, did a little bit of calling, and then uh, met up with Trent and Dylan for lunch there and then the plan was to go downriver kind of as far as we could after that yeah but with on that, within the afternoon yeah on that first trip in the morning when we got like down to the like let's say halfway down and we shut that boat boat off and we were just floating around it was like the quietest morning and like chase we were saying earlier there's no wind but it was like the most beautiful morning i've had in a long time like just honestly just floating down the river um you know, we've seen a few tarm again, just checking out the sites and like on a river, you don't see much. Like there's lots of trees and it's pretty high banks and areas, but like there's moose tracks. There was, there was willows that were beaten up by bulls. There was red willows that were freshly eaten. You could see like, once you shut that down and started floating, you really got to realize what was all around you. And it was, it was amazing that first morning, the first couple hours. Yeah. And we ended up traveling up further than we did last year. And that would have taken us like half a day to get up there. And we did it in like the morning shift, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's impressive. That's really impressive. 
Yeah. So you you didn't have to traverse as many rapids as we did probably the the year before. No, there was a couple bad ones that I remembered, and then we we kind of made it through them. Um, we did encounter a little few rough spots, obviously, but uh, we we yeah we made it through till that last spot, and we just decided to turn around. Hmm. That's that's cool. I would have been interested to see. Because right where we stopped last year, as far east as we made it there, um, I felt like we were just getting on to the the moosey territory there. Things were starting to flatten out a little bit and open up a little, I felt. So I don't know if I was wrong in reading the landscape there, or was it just more the same? Well, we were we were west in the morning, and it was, uh, but it was that where we turned around there it looked pretty moosey. It was pretty low line and like like uh swampy tamaracks and kind of look look pretty good um but there was like sheldon said there was there's pretty much moose sign the entire way up there too so nice yeah nice sheldon was this like was this a different vibe for you because you you've hunted moose quite a bit in your life or like probably definitely more than i have and coming and living in the north for some time but was this like kind of a different style of hunting than you'd, you'd done before oh definitely I, I, before we even left on the trip, I made a few phone calls and talked to a few guys that I've hunted with in the past to talk about like, you know, hunting the river and some of the stuff that they've learned along the way and how, what to do. And, you know, so you try to incorporate some of the things that you've, you've heard, but like hunting a, uh, a tight river, like we're, I don't know what we're talking like with like 50 feet in spots, you know what I mean? Like it's pretty tight. There's not much to actually see. You can't, you can't see for two or 300 yards. And when we're going, when we're going um, west on the river in the morning there, there's some spots where I was like, yeah, man, I just want to get out here and take a walk and take a look to see if you can see in some of these swamps. But at the same time, I wanted to like make up some ground to see where the, all the majority of the moose sign was so we could hone in on that area for the next five days. Right. Um, but yeah, it was definitely different than I'm normal. Like when I'm used to hunting, uh, when you're sitting and calling in bays and stuff like that so when we so the one thing is like when you boat up to a say if you boat for a couple hours or a couple miles or whatever it may be and you stop and you float for a bit and you call and then you carry on my idea was just like you do that every every once in a while so when you come back in that area you know a couple hours later you never know maybe there will be one standing on that bay so that's what i was kind of going with because of uh yeah you can't see or you can't uh, yeah, you basically can't see as far as you would want to. Yeah, definitely different vibe. I, I was trying to, I remember I was trying to envision when I was up there what a shot would actually look like because you would be looking almost uphill in some circumstances, right? And yeah. I was just like trying to think about how how would I make this happen and like what would you even, like what would that scenario look like? So definitely different style than I'm used to. Absolutely. And like the guns that you use normally for moose hunting, it's almost like, for that area you'd want like a lever action bush gun with open sights or something because yeah. that would make the most sense but yeah definitely a different style like a, a 45 70 or something like that and just keep bumping <laughs> um so you, you guys finished the morning and you were headed back east so yeah i was turned around there so you're, you're heading east now downstream towards the the coast and uh you're you're getting situated for the the evening hunt is that's that's what it's looking like we were yeah we came back we stopped at camp for a minute to grab a few things and then we carried on 
and uh, we were just going to see how far we could get downstream pretty much and see what the sign was like downstream. And uh, we, yeah, we made it, uh, we probably made it about five or six kilometers from camp, maybe seven. And then the uh, the exhaust got super loud on the motor. <laughs> <laughs> And we couldn't figure it out. And I was like, we're, I was looking at it and I was trying to think about how, how something could be happening here. Cause it would get really loud when we had it in forward. And then when we put it in reverse, it would get quiet again. So we're like, what the heck is happening here? And we messed around with it for a little bit and, and, uh, didn't think too much of it. So we c- carried on and Sheldon was like, well, if I still got power to get up, let's just keep going. And, All right. So, and then we went probably another half a kilometer and uh lost all the power to the bottom end motor is still running but definitely had some bottom end issues some something with the drivetrain and we pulled over pulled it all apart and the gear drive shaft housing had completely cracked in half and we were now <laughs> essentially stranded on the river we're, we're about eight uh i think i i measured it out on I hunter and it was about eight kilometers as a crow flies from camp. So probably about 10 kilometers on the river or something like that. How, how long did it take you guys to figure out that this thing wasn't going to get you back upstream? Well, that's the tricky question because we tried paddling. That didn't work. <laughs> you guys tried paddling? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Yeah. We had oh. that. I had chase with like in or in or mode. On the <laughs> paddled hard he couldn't do it so i was like well there's no way fucking both of us are gonna do it here like this is this is dumb so anyways we pulled and then we were sitting there kind of just thinking about it and i was i said it's chasing like what happens if we try to like take a ratchet strap or whatever and try to like secure that motor so that that um exhaust whatever you whatever it's called that casing is secured somehow and then hopefully get the gear into place that at least if we have some sort of gear and then if we went in reverse, then it would always have pressure the one way. But it was cracked, like, right in half, so there's nothing you can do. But in, in hindsight, like, if in my like, inexperience, when we when we were going in reverse and it went back to normal right then, then that's when we should have, like, lifted the motor. We could have maybe seen that or took the cowling off and everything else. We might have seen that crack. And then we could have secured it so that at least we could almost limp it home kind of thing. But as soon as that exhaust was like as soon as we lost the gears and i'm like oh shit we're fucked yeah so it was like we we probably broke down around like 132 o'clock and it was 233 o'clock by the time we had it apart and tried messing around with it and then it was kind of like well all right sheldon was kind of he was like let's find a spot where you know we can hang out and like start a fire and, and all that and and uh, the one spot we were at, it was, we did land at like a nice kind of shoal just uh, on the top side of the rapids. I don't know if you remember how the, there was always like at the rapids where it kind of got shallow. There was always like a, a gradual kind of area there because a lot of those banks are pretty steep, right? And muddy. So you can't just land the boat anywhere. So we landed there, but there wasn't a lot of opportunity for like firewood and stuff. There was just a lot of willows kind of along shore so uh sheldon suggested that we head down down river a little bit more and find a better spot which we did and which was a pretty smart move in the end 
um, because we ended up getting there. And then we hanging out, doing some calling and kind of talking about it. I was kind of sulking about the whole deal. And, and, uh, what do you mean, kind of sulking? (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't even talk to me. (laughs) I was, I was pretty (laughs) upset. I was pretty upset. Um, Definitely felt a little bit responsible for the for the whole deal. I did have the motor locked down for for uh, a good portion of the ride, so I imagine a couple of those rocks. That, I that, like a warranty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Shell and I actually set the chase. Like I was sad that I I wasn't up there with you guys, but at the same time, uh, part of me was glad because I definitely would have been like bringing the we're cursed mentality to. <laughs> to to that that equation and that probably wouldn't have been helpful at that point in time i'm pretty sure that i said to chase to try to cheer him up is that like oh this is shitty that this has happened but i'm glad it happened to you because (laughs) because i know if it was me chase would be calling me an idiot for (laughs) all he's gonna be calling me an idiot so oh that's funny um did you did you get that sinking feeling because i know when we when we wrapped our canoe around that rock and I looked down at it, just standing there and our, our shit was floating downstream. I was like, that's our hunt. That's <laughs> that. There she goes. Yeah. Luck, yeah. L- luckily the goop fixed our situation, but it, I goop didn't fix your, no, no goop your, was bringing us out of that one. Your drive shaft casing there. Yeah. The, the shitty thing was too, like I was riding pretty high going into that day because we just had like an awesome morning traveling upstream and then going downstream we're like oh man we're gonna put miles on this river and we're gonna like cover more ground every day we're probably gonna see some moose this the motor was super quiet and the boat was comfortable so like being on the river was not an issue at all and then uh and then yeah all that dopamine just got ripped out of my body (laughs) super fast (laughs) Uh, and then I, I felt pretty bad. And then I was like, well, the hunts like hunts over, like Sheldon was pretty pumped to be up there. And then I was like, his hunts over now. And I was like, what's going to happen here now? I'm like, now we're stuck on the river pretty much. And I was thinking like Dylan and Trent were still traveling up river. So they'll probably be back at camp around dark. And I was like, they're probably not going to come get us tonight. Cause I remember last year when Jimmy got stuck on the river that, uh, we, had opted not to go look for him because of the the dangers that the, the the river had provided because we did that first night up there last year we did travel for two hours in the dark and it was two of the the most high strung hours of my life going down yeah. that river i've never clutched my gun in a canoe so hard at the same time yeah so anyways, at, at that point, we Sheldon and I kind of had that conversation, and Sheldon was like, well, if they don't come for us by this time, we should uh, start making a shelter and start getting some firewood ready for the night. And I was like, well, I don't think they're coming. So we just, yeah, started building a shelter and started getting some firewood, which was, uh, yeah. Sheldon was kind of leading the the survival tactics at that point. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because uh, all these thoughts that Chase just spewed out in the last like 40 seconds, he never said any of that to me. At times, so like we weren't really on talking basis, but <laughs> when we're on the on this little like um, I don't even know what you want to call it. like no, it's not it wasn't a beach it's just somewhere that was kind of low low lying but it kind of had a little ridge on it where we decided we we're gonna maybe make a fire and stuff. We 
that was at like three in the afternoon. We we're sitting there. We had this little fire. We both had a nappy each. And we're like, we were literally not talking to each other. And I was like, yeah, they're probably not coming in. She's like, uh, I don't think so, man. So we like kind of made a plan. Like, yeah, okay, well, by this time, if they're not here, let's make it like chase the thing and make a shelter or whatever. And um, we didn't have many, like many tools with us. And the one tool that we did have was our Leatherman's and like non-paid um, advertisement here for them. But they get, I'm not going to say it saved our lives by any means, but if we didn't have some sort of saw or axe to like cut down some of these trees, because you got to understand we're not um, in big standing spruce or nothing. Like 90% of the trees are like the size of a water bottle. You know what I mean? Like the diameter of them kind of idea or smaller. So we couldn't, you know, we couldn't find big boughs on the spruce trees. We couldn't do anything other than cut down little trees and make a shelf with them. So thank God we had both had Leathermans with uh, saws on them. That, that answers one of my questions. The, one of the things I was going to share with you, Sheldon, though, but when I was debriefing with Chase about this, because he didn't tell me, you guys had this Leo up there um, to communicate if when needed, and uh, he did not share anything about the motor being all busted up when the entire week you guys were up there. So <laughs> I just thought you guys were having a regular old hunt and didn't realize that the motor had broken on day one. Uh, so when Chase got home and told me about this and blew my mind, um, <laughs> I asked him like, how is Sheldon? Like, cause that, that was your first hunt. And he's like, Oh, he was actually like really good and like really supportive and, uh, kind of, you know, helped set up, set up camp kind of, kind of like Chase and, uh, Dylan had done for myself and Jameson when we wrecked our canoe, like they, you Chase and Dylan really grounded me. Like when I was ready to throw my rifle in the water. So, um, it's just funny how it kind of changes or perspectives can shift sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, what piece of gear would you guys brought with you? So you, what, like a, like what kind of setup did you guys make when you were building your shelter and your little like makeshift campsite for the night? And, uh, what do you wish you would have brought that wasn't in your pack at that point in time? Yeah. Like, uh, I'll just maybe go through what was in my pack. So like my, I have like a day pack that I take with me hunting 90% of the time, especially in the north. And in there, there was a, an extra sweater, um, a rain jacket. And then for like kind of gear, I had a few hand warmers, a few small chocolate bars, my Leatherman flashlight, headlamp, um, another knife, a fur rod, some lighters, um, an extra pair of mitts, um, a toque, you know, like kind of basically a lot of kind of survival type stuff, but not probably not the best stuff either. And so like when we were, when we knew we were stuck overnight, I wasn't worried. Oh, and not only that, I had a jet boil and a little um, source of fuel and a little uh, kettle. So I could boil water. And um, so I wasn't worried at all. Like, I mean, if it was going to be multiple days of the weekend, sure. I'd be worried, but um, that, that thought of being out there more than 24 hours or more than 30 hours or whatever, didn't really sink in until the middle of the night, but, yeah, like for me, I had, that's what I had with me. And the tool that, like I said, the tool that I'm so glad I had and wouldn't leave home without any more is my Leatherman for sure. If you were going to throw one more thing in your pack that, that, that morning, what, what should have it been? What would have been? A, lumber, a lumberjack from Safeway, one of those big sandwiches. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think probably like a, like a handsaw or a hatchet maybe would have helped us out big time. Um, in that situation but 
I don't know. We had fire and we had water. So those are the two pretty good uh, ingredients to survive in the night or survive in a few nights. Yeah. And we definitely had enough grub to, to get us through. Like it wasn't, we weren't starving by any means. And um, my, yeah, my biggest thing too is would have been like a handsaw. Cause there was some, some bigger like dead trees hanging around that I wasn't able to knock down. And, uh, I had uh, a, a bigger handsaw back at camp, but I just didn't throw it in my bag before I left for the morning. And I uh, definitely would have been nice to have that out there. Because the, the night was pretty cool. Um, we just kind of kept like a really small fire going all night. And uh, then it started to rain around midnight. And then it eventually started snowing pretty heavy throughout the night. And... Uh, it would have been nice to have that that bigger fire going throughout the night, but but uh, yeah, the Leatherman was was definitely key to shelter building and um, did use it for a little bit of uh, firewood collection as well. Yeah, and for that for that shelter there, Tristan, what we did is we just basically made your normal like lean to type shelter. We had a like a cross pole or whatever you want to call it in between some trees and tied it up, and then the only thing that we fucked up on in my mind is that we made it kind of too small. Like it wasn't tall enough so that your branches, when you put branches down from your trees, it didn't give you enough space, like in the lean to. So there's enough room for like one guy. And when you're like camping with chase, who's got long legs and long arms, it's like, you need like two of those things. So <laughs> I like, I remember waking, like, I remember there's a couple of cool things that I'd take from this experience. And it was like being in the bush with another uh person that's kind of like survival savvy i guess i'd say is because like i'd fall asleep and chase would be like staying awake putting wood in the fire and then i'd wake up and be like how you and i'd always say like how are you doing like like how are you feeling and i don't know why like just whatever and then chase would fall asleep i'd hear him like start snoring so i'd like make myself stay awake to keep that fire going and like chase said it was small so you didn't really want to let it go out. And then when it started raining, you definitely didn't want to go out because it had been a cocksucker to get it going again. Um, but yeah, like it, uh, it was, it was kind of cool. Cause yeah, we had this thing where it's, I fell asleep, Chase stayed up, Chase fell asleep, I stayed up and we didn't have to tell each other to do it. We just did it. And then I thought it was a cool thing. You guys shared a couple videos there already kind of, of like the situation and some pictures, uh, did you did you get pretty wet or was it did you guys manage to stay pretty dry i wasn't too bad i i stayed uh i i mean it, it didn't like pour on us the snow it definitely snowed hard there was like two inches of snow on the ground when the sun came up which wasn't there like if you've seen the videos it was like a gorgeous day on the river beforehand and then there's two inches of snow on the on the ground when we wake up but um between the just the fire and stuff and I was rotating quite a bit just to like warm up different parts of my body and I was like literally like huddled up around the fire at points because I was I was pretty cold at, at times throughout the night and then uh but I was just like staying real tight to the fire so yeah so tight that he melted his pants his sweater and his boots I didn't mind what you melted your boots I melted my pants and my my jacket got a spark on it <laughs> uh did the fire start up right away for you guys or did you have to work at it? No, no things... once we had once we had a fire going that afternoon, it didn't really I don't think it might have went out like just about go out once or twice during the night. 
and that was probably my fault when I fell asleep, but I got her back going and um, yeah, we had, that was the thing, we had some pretty good wood spine, like everything that we could get small, like it wasn't big stuff, so um, pretty easy to get her again. Yeah, it was like a lot of sticks, kind of the size of your finger or just a little bit bigger. And then uh, we we did manage to find like a couple bigger trees that we would just kind of burn, you know, burn a piece off and then drag the another piece into the fire kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then so you had you had satcoms with you. When did you get confirmation back from Dylan and Trent that they kind of received your mayday message there? Like, what did you what did you text them? That's what I want to know. They didn't have anything. They we had the. We had the Zalea with us because we were heading downstream, and uh, oh shit, they they didn't have anything. No, they didn't have this, any. This is the point in the conversation where people are like yelling at the podcast, being like, "These guys are fucking dumb." <laughs> <laughs> like no communication. Yeah, and uh, I feel like I did my part by bringing the Zaleo on the way up there. So, uh, not on the way up there, but like everyone knew. We had one satellite communicator, and uh, yeah, we didn't get another one. So um, we just had the one. They didn't know what the deal was, and uh, our plan was well, obviously not. Yeah, <laughs> we woke up the next morning. This will this will all tie in here right away. We woke up the next morning, um, found some more firewood, started a big out, got the fire ripping. And warmed right up and kind of looked at each other like, man, we should have done this last night <laughs> a couple <laughs> times. And then um, our plan was if they weren't there by 10, I think, we were going to start walking back. And at like 9 o'clock, they, they rolled around the corner. How far downstream were you guys? I think we're, we're 8K as a crow flies from camp. Oh, that would have so. been a shit walk. Yeah. Yeah, big time. I was looking so they, on the map, and it would have been, wouldn't have been like, well, it's hard to say from the from the satellite imagery how good it actually would have been. But like, the walk through the bush, if we would have, would have went a little bit north and like through the through the black spruce, would have been all right before it snowed. But there was so much snow on those black spruces, and they were just like just just close enough that you would hit like every one that you walked past. <laughs> kind of thing yeah yeah yeah. so you would have been just soaked by the time you got back to camp and then uh well you know what the riverbanks are like out there there's there's moose trails on on like the majority of the the riverbanks so i think a lot of the the going would be good but there would be a few sections where those sloughs come through that you would it'd be a struggle yeah so back in trent roll up at 9 a.m the next day okay sweet yeah stop you for a second the other thing I the other thing I want to mention before we get too far is that like um I, I might have mentioned it earlier, like I was gonna say, like in the middle of the night, I kind of started reala- realizing some things. I'm sure Chase was thinking the same thing because in the morning we didn't talk about it. Then it's just like what what happens if Trent and Dylan broke down and they think that we're coming to save them in the morning. And we're thinking, well, even if we made it back to camp, we have no fucking way to go get them anyways. So like even if we walked back to camp that morning, how are we supposed to go get these guys now? And then like, and then in my mind in the morning, even thinking about walking, I was thinking, what happens if we get back in the bush and we hear them drive right by us, you know? And then all, and then they break down, you know? Like there's so many things that go through my mind, and like 
I'm an anxious person as it is, I, I believe. And so like, that was, you know, some of the tough things for, for me personally, is just like thinking about the worst when at the same time I knew it was all going to work out. And I knew we had that Zolo or whatever the fuck it was called. So I knew like we were going to get rescued eventually or somehow, but I was kind of worried about Trent and Dylan at the same time. Like, man, I hope they're not broke down somewhere. Yeah. I remember I was, I was thinking about that the night before and I was like, I already had a plan in my head that if we got back, I was like, we got to get on the train, get back to town and pretty much like get a rescue crew kind of put together. And, uh, and then I was, I was like, I'm not going to, my, my main thought was like, I don't want to discuss it right now because just to like amplify the anxiety. And then like five minutes later, you're like, what if Trent and, and uh, Dillinger broke down? <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> they they had the benefit though, because they would have been able to float down though too, right? Yeah, but just if you never know what happens, right? So no, you always totally. think if the you, worst if, of if you wreck your canoe, then you're in big trouble. Yeah. 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 Uh so that didn't happen, luckily. Um, and Trent and Dylan roll up at 9 a.m. the next morning. Yeah. Were they smiling or like, what was it? What was the vibe with them rolling in there? Yeah, I could. So I could hear them. You could hear the motor before, like, right as they turned kind of. That bit. must have been a good sound. Yeah. And uh, you could hear them talking because I guess they must have been downwind of us or we must have been downwind of them. And uh, you could just hear Trent. He's like, oh, smoke, got a fire. And then. Uh, <laughs> I stepped out a little bit and he's like, one of them's alive. <laughs> <laughs> so they, yeah. they would have had no idea that you guys, what happened to you guys. You just didn't report the camp that night. Yeah. And they had, so, so they got there and, and uh, obviously it was a big celebration. Everyone's was happy to see each other and they brought like steak and potatoes for us and, and all this stuff. And, uh, spare clothes and everything because they they didn't know what they were rolling into either and they had like similar thoughts going through through their mind of like oh what if you know what if somebody broke a leg what if somebody broke an arm or whatever and um they had actually tried or to like get... they probably they probably thought what happens if they broke the boat and they got mad at each other and shot each other <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that i'm pretty sure that happened with those two guys that killed yeah yeah oh yeah like I said. on the nelson yet yeah um but they they had said uh that they tried getting out coming down river the night before too they they had dinner and then they were like all right well these guys aren't coming and then they they hopped in the boat and they said they came down for about they were on the river for about 45 minutes and they're like there's no way we can we can do this because yeah. like if we wreck we're we're toast too so yeah that, w- that would have been bad bad news at that point in time yeah so they went back and spent the night and struck out first thing in the morning in the in the daylight. Well, that's that must have been a good feeling to see the uh, the friendly faces and stuff like that. Did you did you guys get a little? Was there a little ribbon for having busted your motor in half? <laughs> no, well there was, but the thing when they pulled up on the shore and we kind of met them and like out of this whole like situation like another thing that i won't forget is like again dylan with his big fucking teeth smiling and he kind of <laughs> this bear hug right and we know the history of dylan like getting lost and you know having a survival situation of him of himself 
you know, I don't know what was going through his mind exactly, but like just getting that hug from him. And he's just like, man, I'm so happy you guys are alive, like alive, you know? And it's just like, think of it as that big of a deal, but like, never, like you, you don't, you really don't know what could have happened which I'm not going to try to play it up like it was a huge deal. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, a grown man giving another grown man a hug, just like, oh, man, I'm so glad you're here. And I remember I said to him, like, yeah, I'm like, did you happen to bring any of my cigars? And he's like, oh, shit, yeah, bud. Pulls out a fresh cigars, <laughs> and I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Uh, that's good. Yeah, it's it's valid, though. Like, I, I mean, I'm by no means a wilderness survival expert, but I do remember getting that very – acute feeling when i was up north there that you're just a little closer to the edge at that point in time and help is a little farther away than just uh, a 911 call at that point in time so yeah the uh your perspective changes a little bit on what happens when shit goes sideways yeah the the thing was too like we had the zaleo there and i was like at what point do you push the push the emergency button the panic button i was like i don't think it's like really valid yet to like hit the panic button for us for sure not i was like we can still walk we can still we're still still mobile so like we could walk back to camp like eight kilometers as a crow flies i was trying to put in perspective it was like it's really nothing because you do that in half a morning when you're elk hunting kind of thing so i was like you're not you're not you're not trucking across tundra though when you're elk hunting no but well it's pretty close in the through those through the inner like bush <laughs> jeez man i remember we got back in the sticks there even when uh when we were calling that one moose and you you stepped you stepped 10 yards into the bush and my my boots sunk i was like that no fun yeah so, there's definitely a couple damn spots for sure um but but yeah so back back to my point there was like kind of like i don't think we were in that situation where we could use that but it was obviously um a little nice to know that 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 was still an option if things did get worse Mm -hmm. yeah it's a good safety cushion right yeah uh so you guys towed back to camp there um obviously you cooked up the steaks on shore i'm guessing yeah it was leftovers from last night we warmed them up and had a big feed that's where the steak and potatoes thing came in yeah Jeez. And it was steak and potatoes all weekend. <laughs> oh man, that's good. Yeah. And then we when need, we need we need to make a steak and potatoes t shirt now. Yeah, pretty much. And then when we got back to camp that day, so well, first off, we didn't know how we were gonna get the boat back. And uh and um because Dylan was like, There's no way my boat's gonna tow that thing back. And we're like I can't remember who talked him into it. And I was like, well, let's just give it a try before we like take it down and start making trips back to camp kind of thing. Cause it would have been a bunch of trips and, and uh, yeah, towed, towed pretty good given the situation. Yeah. So, so that, it towed all of you guys. Yeah. We, well, they first tried it without us and then uh, they came back and Dylan was like, hop in the boat. We're doing it. <laughs> and it, yeah, it towed us pretty good. It got us all the way back. We had to paddle, help paddle through a few sets of rapids but um yeah we got made her back yeah and then we so when we got back to camp had a bit of a celebration that day and then had steak and potatoes for supper that night again (laughs) i i would not complain about steak and potatoes too twice in one day especially after that experience yeah yeah 
Then that was the other thing too is like when we when we got into the boat and started going, then I started realizing like how actually like I know you asked if we were cold and wet, but I started real, realizing how wet I actually was because I wasn't really I don't know I was just thinking about getting back to camp, taking my boots off, you know, and I was wearing all wool of like right from like my neck right down to my toes. And the one thing I noticed is like I was wearing those dry shod boots, which by the way, if anybody wants boots by dry shod, they fucking are unreal. But my feet never got, well, they're cold, but it was because my feet were sweating in those boots earlier in the day. And my, so my socks were wet. Thank God. Like I was wearing wool of socks because it not saying it's like it made me survive, but it fucking made me comfortable all night. Like I was um, super happy. I was wearing that shit. Yeah, man. Short of going through, a lake in the middle of winter and having to set up in your, your own ice tent and try to keep yourself alive. Um, I cannot think of a much better test for the wool of. So I think that's a pretty ringing endorsement of just like how helpful this stuff can be and to keep you comfortable and keep the, even I can imagine just keeping the spirits up would be an important part of that, that kind of mentality out there. There was, there was a couple of times throughout the night there when I was, when I was kind of pretty chilly and I was, I thought to myself, I was like, imagine how cold I would be right now if I didn't have this on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And then when we were getting towed back, I was like digging through my bag and I found my wool love beanie still in its plastic. And I was like, fucking right. Put that on, you know? And then I had like my buff on, I was all covered up and I was just like, you know, just chilling in the boat, getting pulled back and. I mean, we've been we've been wearing this stuff for like two years now. We always say super good things about it, but this was by far the biggest proving point for me was was this experience. I mean, I've worn it in deer stands, ice fishing, doing whatever else, but this is this is the selling point. Like, if anybody asks me about wool love, like I'll just tell them straight up. Like, I, you know, we're in the bush, we're on the river for thirty hours, and um, Chase still smelled good when I was laying beside him in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I, I hope the, the folks at Wool Love are listening to this because I, I don't know what could be a better story for them. And if you, you want to save a little bit of money on it, not to, not to, uh, profit off of your guys's, uh, discomfort there for the night, <laughs> but, uh, be sure to use, uh, code panoramic 10 and that'll get you $10 off your first purchase. So we're, we're trying to get you in it because we believe in it, but, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you boys, I'm glad you boys had it up there. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So you rolled back into camp. I'm sure you try to get some gear organized and dry and uh, maybe recounting your lucky stars and a few stories. Uh, did you start strategizing for how you guys managed to sal- salvage a bit of a hunt, right? Yeah. So the following days we kind of, so we're, we're down to like one serviceable motor at that point And, and uh, obviously, the the brook trout fishing was still a thing on the on the radar for for everyone. And uh, so the following day, Trent and Dylan went down to the brookie hole, and uh, me and Sheldon just kind of hung back, stayed in camp. That's a, that's that's a trek, though, eh? That yeah. brookie hole. Yeah, it's like twenty kilometers downstream. It's it's a hole, man. And uh, me and Sheldon just stayed back in camp and like cleaned everything up in camp, and yeah. Cut 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 wood, cut wood for the for the week, and refilled like cut enough wood that we could just refill what what we used uh, when we left. And uh, yeah, that night we feasted on brookie, 
Trent and Dylan seen two moose. He's skipping over an important part of our trip. What happened? Well, like when we got back to camp, that from our excursion from day one. Yeah. Now it's day. Two. Yeah. We got got into warm clothes, cooked some food, and then we had a party. Yeah. <laughs> Me, you, and, uh, Dylan, like celebrated the, like kind of that afternoon and night. Had a good supper, and uh, I mean, I, I think that's an important part to speak about because like we were all together again, got the the group back together, and we come up with a strategy and a plan in case you know that ever happens again, right? So, what was it? Yeah. What was it? What was the strategy? Uh, am I missing something here? No, no, I'm just saying, like, we just, like, kind of celebrated that, you know, we're all back together, and then we just kind of said, like, okay, you know, you guys are going to go brick fishing tomorrow while you guys are doing that, you know, and if we're going to get out, maybe you can tell us. Like, we are just coming up with different strategies so our, our moose hunt wasn't totally screwed, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so you guys you guys figured out that they were going to go rookie fishing the next day. You guys would stick around, clean up camp. Yeah. And, and just... I it was a, kind of like a regrouping session, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, I don't know, talk about it, and I don't know, had a little party, and it was good. It was we were refreshed after that. <laughs> yeah. So and then yeah, uh, the morale boost, eh? Yeah, and then it was the uh, boost. the the fears kind of seeped in a little bit when when the uh, when the sun had started going down too at the end of the day, and I was like. Oh man, I just hope those guys make it back. And then I was starting to peer out the window like every like 15 minutes and it was every like five minutes and I was like, Oh God. And then eventually they, they wheeled in. I was pretty happy to see them again. And then they had some, some brook trout ready for us to, to cook up for supper. They had a awesome day on the river and they had seen a couple moose when they were leaving the brook trout fishing spot, a cow and a calf too. So brought the, brought the hopes up a little bit. And um, what did we do for, for supper that day? We had brook trout sashimi, we yeah. had brook trout ceviche, and we had catch and cook brook trout. Um, French fries. And French fries, yeah. And oysters, crackers, and cheese. And we just yeah. had a big feast. It was a big snack fest. We ate for like three hours, pretty much. <laughs> I'm getting hungry just listening to that. That was awesome. Trent brought up everything for ceviche and and uh and sashimi and there's like <coughs> there was uh the pickled ginger the soy sauce the wasabi we had the full deal man and like smoked cheese and and crackers and all kinds of stuff yeah did uh did any of my camp snacks i sent up a couple things a couple preserves for you guys to to enjoy up there did any of those make the the cut while you guys were up there we did the pickle, my- pickles on the last day for we did like uh charcuterie board kind of makeshift nice. on the last day for snacks and like second supper pretty much uh and the can of moose head on the last day was fucking clutch nice oh yeah we can kind of relax wait for the train we popped the top on those moose heads and we drank them so that was yeah. awesome yeah the plan was that you guys were going to be uh drinking those over top of moose and i would be uh cracking mine at home but i guess uh the plans shifted there pretty dramatically that on day one. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'm wondering too, like, Hey, wh- what was the, the cow and calf encounter? Like, you don't have to go into deep, but like, did they get a good look at these things when they were coming back upstream? Yeah. The, they, they'd said that they were able to like, 
so they were they were coming back up and they seen them and they had enough time to like get a rifle on them and have a good look at them and they had um i think they said they seen the cow and the calf they just seen the the head of the calf kind of thing and they and then they ran into the bush once they got close enough to them so okay. they said they could have could have taken a shot if they if there was a bull there but they obviously didn't and uh yeah so that's that a it. good sign good yeah. sign but uh i guess sheldon you hadn't first of all was was trent pretty psyched about that brookie spot because he's he's fished a lot in his lifetime right yeah he was he was pretty happy with it he he and he'd done some brookie fishing with with dylan before and but he said this was the best day brook trout fishing he's ever had so that's wild yeah it was good Sheldon, you got to squeeze into the next day. Was it the next day? Yeah, the next day I got to go out and um, I'll double down on your comments about being uncomfortable on a canoe because I was in Dylan's thing, what canoe slash boat, whatever that thing is called, and um, sitting low and all the way to that brookie spot, man. I was just like, man, I cannot wait to get there. But it was definitely worth it because once I got there, got out of the boat, um, never fly fished before, and Dylan just like, the best teacher ever because he's just like man it's like don't even worry about it. it's super easy and i was kind of nervous you know just because dylan's a you know a weathered fisherman in my or weathered angler in my mind so i didn't want to like you know mess up his gear or make a fool of myself but um yeah my first cast i caught him a, a master brookie on the fly so i was just like super happy like i was really pumped up because one of my things before going on this trip was i was telling people i was showing pictures of dylan and these fish it was like we have an opportunity to go to this spot like people pay thousands of dollars to go to a spot like this to catch ocean-fed brook trout on a fly rod in the middle of nowhere and like well, only a handful of people have done it yeah. so when i got the first one i was just like so excited and the thing was is i was using a fly rod and i couldn't figure out to pull it in so i was just like fighting it for ever <laughs> and don't like hey like bring it in man and i'm like i'm trying but i wasn't trying i was just like so caught up in the moment and the thing is with the fly rod which i've now i understand what you guys talk about when you guys go catch fish like catfish and stuff on the fly it's like you're literally fighting the fish like your hand to its mouth rather than using a reel and using gears and stuff you're it's like that power you're feeling it it's it was an unreal experience I'll never forget it. Oh, that's so cool, man. You want to know what I caught on my first cast there? <laughs> I, I can imagine like a spruce tree. I no, I caught a pike. I couldn't believe it. I just thought like, is it going to be one of these trips where I just like get sandbag? The guys around me were all catching brook trout and I think I was second up and my first cast and I pull in this like this 10 inch snot rocket. That was funny. <laughs> that, was, that was post uh canoe wreckage incident as well too so we're yeah. like rolled into that spot super high hopes and then pike <laughs> fuck i remember that but we, we got on them yeah and it, it's it's wild eh, Sheldon? just like you just kind of sit there and cast and you can catch for about an hour straight and just absolute they're just so ravenous those trout i i've i've never experienced anything like that yeah well and the thing is like i'm i'm not I don't want to pump up Dylan's tires too much because like his, if he's listening to this, his head's probably getting bigger and bigger and bigger, yeah. but like he was the perfect guy to, to go with because he kind of like took me up high on the banks and was just like showing me where the fish were. So you can kind of like target certain areas when you're doing the fly fishing. And like he was, you know, we caught one and he was like showing me 
you know, like where it was like their fins were worn off from creating these like almost like nests for the eggs. And he was like teaching me about brook trout more than teaching me how to brook trout a fish because it was honestly pretty easy right there to fish them. Right. So I was super, yeah, super excited about all that stuff. And then to be there, Dylan and him teaching me all this stuff that I could not only like, like I said, learn about the fish, but pass on hopefully to some, some time to somebody is pretty cool. So cool, man. Uh, was there any sign down by that hole? Cause I know last time we were there, there was some moose sign and Chase was talking about even bringing a tent to spend the night there. Did you, did you guys see anything promising down that way? Well, the, th- the thing is um, that I, w- that I would say is that I found that that area was kind of more rocky than, than muddy. And so you'd almost have to get up on a bank or like get on shore and take a look and and you'd see more, like you'd see the sign compared to the other spots we're at where when you're going down the river, you could see moose tracks in the mud and stuff like that. Right. So there's definitely moose sign because every time we stop somewhere, you'd see the tracks or, or whatever. So, um, but yeah, we just didn't do enough investigating kind of we're getting up and down that river so we could get as much time at the brook trout hole as possible. Yeah, you definitely don't have a lot of time. Did Dylan show you the spot where we wrecked last year? Because he would have floated. We stopped there on the way down, on the way to the Brook Trout Hole. We stopped there for a little break and a stretch and um, went through, the kind of took his uh, side of the story on what happened. And it was was pretty cool to reminisce with him about that. And you can see the rock. And I'm I'm just thinking about you guys up to your nuts and water. And that was pretty pretty funny. We should have uh, we should have left something on shore like uh, like uh, tied something around a tree or something like that just to commemorate the spot. So if anyone ever does float by it, they know they know that. Uh... Well, there's flagging tape there. Oh, so is there? One of, you guys, one of you guys left flagging tape there. So when we went by it, coming back to camp, and I seen it, and I just thought of it instantly. So. Oh, that's good. That's so good. Oh man, I wonder. Then, so... I wonder how many people wrecked on that river. Like throughout history, well, yeah, <laughs> well, in the short time we've been there, three, yeah. So, <laughs> I think we've only been there a total of like fourteen days. Yeah, not even. So yeah, more like ten days. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's got a pretty high mortality rate there. <laughs> Shit, eh? Oh man! And then Chase, you didn't make it down to the brookie spot. Nope. No, I did not. But uh, that day, Trent and I did a float down. We did about 5K down to like some fairly good looking moose territory. And uh, yeah, we hung out there for the afternoon and and uh, found some fresh bear tracks. Did a little bit of touring around and there were some caribou tracks on shore, some moose tracks. And uh, we sat there, called, nothing came out. And, uh, yeah. And then when Dylan and Sheldon came back, they hooked us up and hauled us back to camp. Interesting. So were, were they big bear tracks? Cause like there's a chance for both up there, right? Yeah. There was a chance for all three up there kind of for like, uh, black bear, polar bear and barren land grizzly, but, um, smaller bear tracks, assuming they were just black bear. Huh. Chase, that was the other thing I was going to ask you and I never really have, but, did that, did that ever cross your mind when we're in the middle of the bush, sitting on the, like laying around the fire that we're in kind of like bear territory? Oh yeah, like polar bear territory for sure, hundred percent. That's what I was thinking about mainly. <laughs> 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 
mainly like when I was when I was thinking about walking back to camp and like going through like that taga stuff and I was like, oh man, could you imagine running into a polar bear out there? <laughs> like that be yeah. if it would happen, it would happen right there. <laughs> Shit. Oh, that's that's funny. Um and they had just uh was it before we went or after they we went that there was uh there's one caught in the community not too far from from there too in Chicago. Right yeah, we heard it on the train, didn't we, on the way up there? Yeah, yeah. That, oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. 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 So Dylan and Trent landed up seeing one more set of moose. What happened there? Right. The last day we went upstream, so to, like to give us a little more safety buffer, if something happened on their boat, they could still float down. And they hauled us up about 5K. And we had, uh, we, we stopped at a spot that looked like there's some good moose sign and then they they carried on and the spot we stopped at was pretty freaking awesome for moose sign i'll tell you that it was oh my God. some really fresh moose sign there there's a bunch of rubs probably like four or five rubs in the willows um tracks uh a fresh like i don't know if you'd call it a wallow but like where the moose like dug up the sand and pissed in it and then but he's obviously chasing a cow or something. And uh, we sat there and called and we thought, Sheldon had thought something was coming in behind us. So we got all jacked up and, uh, but nothing ended up coming in. So I'm not too sure if something was coming, but the wind was swirling pretty good. So if there was something there, it might've, might've winded us. Yeah. That's, that's the one part I remember about being up there is that the wind was almost impossible to, to play. Yeah. Like in, in so many ways. Because it would just do these weird things all of a sudden. You're, I don't know if it was all the valleys and like the escarpments and whatnot, but like it was, it was pretty weird for the wind. Yeah, it definitely that definitely is factors was the elevation, and then like not only that, but like the twists and the turn in the river, yeah, will like mess your wind up. So yeah, yeah, like I definitely, I definitely a hundred percent heard a stick break twice, like something was coming in or something. Um, I don't know. Could have been anything, I guess, but could have been polar bear apparently. But whatever. <laughs> uh, and where did those guys see theirs? A little farther, uh, a little farther west. Yeah, so they kept on heading west, and then they stopped and they did some calling. They said they were calling for about half an hour, an hour or something, and then they they heard another cow calling. I think was how it went, and then they heard some grunts. So they started moving and they were walking down the river bank and they could just like peek around the corner apparently. And they were able to make out at like 500 yards, um, some moose going down the river and they put the scope up and they could make out just a small bull and a cow and a calf. And they said that bull was just hot on that cow, apparently just, and then they, uh, they only, they said they just seen them for like not very long and then they, they were up onto the bank and uh, they went down, got the canoe, drove up river, and didn't see them again. Yeah, they. Yeah, and then we. So at that point, we we started floating back because we wanted to be back in camp by I think two, so we could break everything down and get everything ready. And uh, yeah, we floated back, and there was a couple times where the wind was like a headwind, and we were actually like sitting still in the river. <laughs> 
that's one way to do it kind of slower, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So we kind of paddled a little bit, did some calling on the way back. Seen an otter. Otter was giving us some action on the way back. And then, uh, yeah, got back to camp and that was it. Those guys rolled in probably about half an hour after we got back as well. So you guys got camp broke. That was kind of it for the year. Um, heading back on the train. Everyone's in one piece. Uh, what was the what was the vibe heading back on that train? Were you guys pretty gassed, or like was it uh, was a long week? Were guys feeling like it was a it was a trip worth it? It was definitely worth it. Like it, there's so many good experiences, not only like on a personal level, but like um, like as a hunter, like moose hunter, a lot of experiences that way. Like learned quite a bit of stuff. The thing about when I was going, when we we're going back to train, the only thing I was thinking about is like, like not to take another shot at, but it was just like, damn, if we would have had a mode, man, like there's no question in my mind, we would have had a bet, like a good chance. Like there's so many, so much line. We did see like Chase and I didn't see moves, but our, you know, our partners did where if we had a, we had a motor, we would have been, we would have been maybe in some mud. And the other thing that went through my mind is like, we need two more days out here. Like a five-day hunting trip would be seven, but I mean it would be a long seven days if you didn't have a motor. So mixed feelings, but yeah, getting on that train and and getting into like a warm atmosphere and a comfy chair was pretty nice. And uh, falling asleep to Thompson. Yeah, I had, I had similar thoughts, man. I was I was just like really like felt that if we would have had a, an operational second boat, that we would have obviously obviously would have increased our chances. But I feel like we would have ran into something. Um, the, the, the weather we had there was, was like prime, I would say prime, like river running weather that it was like kind of crappy out, kind of windy and not like great calling weather, I would say. So, um, probably would have worked out pretty good, but, um, and then on the way home, same, same thing. I was like, man, we, if like, we got to bring three motors up here, and stay for at least two more days, if not like five more days. Yeah, for sure. It's a haul. It's an investment, day. Eh? Yeah, yeah. But that's a, the thing is to the travel up and down. I think it was on the way home. We left camp at 2 a.m. The train actually came early. And uh, so we got on around 2 and I didn't get home till I think it was 9.30 p.m. Oh, it's a long haul. Next day, so yeah, it's a long haul. But but I would definitely do it that way again. Like like if as opposed to like getting off in Gillum, um, just because I remember last year when I got off in Gillum, I was pretty much falling asleep within the first fifteen minutes of starting down the the, the two two eighty there or yeah. two thirty or whatever it is. Um, I like Gillum. They they just didn't have a bar open when we showed up there. That was the one thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing was though, too, like two days later or whatever it was like, or maybe it was five days later when, when Dylan was coming home, it had rained for a couple of days and that road was just fucked. Yeah. So. And all this shit was muddy. Like, yeah, you need to, I've been pretty sure all your stuff in the back of your truck would have been muddy if it rained. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It would have been a mess. There's a bit of a silver lining here though, eh? in the sense that like, well, you guys made it home without a moose. But you had great success with, uh, you know, just learning things and uh, having some great 
fishing. But uh, Sheldon, you you stuck away on a second hunt, and you, your camp had some luck there later in the season. Is that is that fair to say? You betcha, buddy. You betcha. It was awesome. We um, we had a first time hunter with us. Um, not not sorry, not necessarily first time hunter, but first moose harvest. Her first moose harvest. So it was it was really exciting, and um, we we're going to going back to our own you know our old stomping grounds, let's say. So. To be honest with you, none of us were really expecting it, but that's the way moose hunting goes. Like you can, you can travel all over this fucking province and then you go to your camp that you go to, you know what I mean? All the time and you get one. So yeah, we got a, a 30, I think it was 34 inch um, bull and uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good time. It was awesome. What a feeling, man. I, I remember, I remember that feeling in that camp and it's uh it might be the best feeling in hunting. I got to say that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. So, well, that was fun. I, I was sitting here having a whiskey the whole time and uh, uh, just shy of like a wood stove fire and having you guys here in person. That was probably the best recap I could have hoped for. So um, I appreciate you guys sharing that with me. And also like, just wondering if you guys had any kind of final finals on the, the whole trip or any, any of the moose hunting stuff. I know we've done quite a few things on moose here throughout our time at Panoramic. And I, I know they're kind of a special animal for all of us, but uh, any final thoughts you guys want to kind of end it on here tonight? Yeah. Like I'll maybe take this up first is like, um, like when we were talking about how many days we were there and you like really think about it it's just like well you spend one day brook trout fishing and you spend one day getting wood collected for the camp and doing your camp chores and stuff you know you're only left with a few days to hunt anyway so like definitely more days in that camp would have been beneficial but at the same time like i mean we we made good use of our time over there even if we're down a motor um but yeah like huge i want to just say like huge thank you to chase too for uh for being there because uh I don't know. We had we just had that that podcast with the guy from alone, and you think about stuff like that. Like, if if I was alone in that bush, even if it was only for like twenty four or thirty hours, I mean, my mind would have been racing. So, it was, so I want to say a huge thanks to Chase, and obviously a huge thanks to uh, Trent and uh, Dylan because uh, they sure made it uh, comfortable when uh, when they came around that corner with their boat and, and made our day there. And um, yeah, it was just other than that, like. And then to go into our next, to go into the next camp and see, see someone shoot a moose, like, yeah, you almost get emotional because like I said, you travel all over the place to get one. And then all of a sudden it happens and it happens so fast and it's, you know, and we got meat in the freezer and smiles all over the place. It's just, uh, it was a good moose season. So thanks to everyone that's put up with my bullshit throughout the season, I guess. And thanks to you guys for, for being there and listening too. So that that story is like a good representation of like exactly how i'm sure moose hunting goes for most of the people in this province it's just like there's nothing 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 and then all of a sudden there's a moose there and it's is dead kind of thing you know what i mean i know it's like you come out and like oh my god they do exist yeah it's like seeing santa claus man yeah no kidding um you shoot them <laughs> my final thoughts on it is, is like <laughs> yeah we, I mean, we've had this conversation a lot too, and I think it's, it goes back to like one of our one of our earlier podcasts. We did an entire podcast of, of it. It's just like, you know, who you 
how to be a good person in, in a camp and, and like who you bring with you to camp matters. And like, we, we, we obviously hunt with a, with a lot of different guys that we trust and a lot of guys that we, we like to have in camp, but it's, it, it's, uh, I'm pretty thankful that we were in camp with the group that we, that we had there because it was, um, the, the tough days, man, that's what, uh, it's not always like when it's bright and sunny out and things are going great. You could be in camp with anybody pretty much, but like the tough days are, are made good by, by those, those people that you have in camp. And I was, I was pretty happy to have you out there too, buddy. It was like, cause I was definitely like not happy about the situation we had with the motor <laughs> and, uh, and you were, you were in a pretty good mood about it. And I, I knew exactly in my mind, like. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I would feel any different, no matter like how this situation happened. I was just like really bummed out, and and you were bringing a a, a bit of a, a a light to the end of the tunnel there, and it was it was good because it was like you kind of like directed the the whole like survival thing. It was like, okay, I'm gonna make the camp. You go get the wood, and let's uh, settle in for the night, kind of thing. So. It was, uh, I, I wouldn't want to be in that situation with, with too many other people. I'm glad you were there. Thanks, man. Little did you know that Sheldon actually scored that motor. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, guys, that was fun. Um, and to all the listeners, we, we really appreciate you kind of uh, sticking with us. And I know there's a lot of folks that, we're kind of messaging us after I, I saw that moose hunt post go up and people were bugging us instantly. And I, I love it. They were like, when's the moose camp podcast, uh, dropping. So this, this one was on the radar for a while. Glad we got it out. And, uh, if you're, you're, I know we're, we're still kind of, we're just about to approach like killer deer season coming up or like the rut, all these different good things, maybe last ice for duck hunting. Uh, but if you're thinking about kind of the holiday shopping there and going to encourage you to check out our store, uh, we've got some stuff to stock up there. Sheldon, anything that we should know about that's uh, cool and exciting? No, um, not really. Like we got our normal stuff. We got our cutting boards. I think they're sold out right now, but we've got um, about, I think about 40 of them made. They're just, we're just got to pick them up, I believe. So um, those will be in time for Christmas. So if you're looking to get, yeah, like you said, gifts, we got catch and cook in the store. We got cutting boards. You can put together a cool little package. Uh, for your special someone. And before we go, I just want to give a huge thanks to a few companies that have helped us out over the last little while. Um, they may not be, you know, our sponsors or anything like that, but they've helped us out in different ways. But like Dry Shot Boots, Leatherman, Wolove, Swellfish, and a bunch of other companies that helped us with this moose hunting trip. And um, without them, like, I mean, it would have been a little bit difficult to get out of some of the situations. So huge thanks to those companies. If you're looking to get into any of those types of products, um, we suggest to, to check them out first. Leatherman, um, Dry Shot, Swellfish, we'll love. Yeah, obviously you're relying on the iHunter app while you're up there too. And Absolutely. Uh, yeah, just so many great companies out there that we kind of lean on. You, you don't really realize it until... You kind of put it all together for sure. Well, I think that's it for 137. So we'll, we'll thank you for listening. And if uh, we don't see you out in the field, we'll say, uh, you know, keep an edge on that knife. Uh, keep that motor. What, what will be the correct position for that motor, Chase? Unlocked and ready to tilt. <laughs>
<laughs> and uh, maybe the last one there is uh, keep the Leathermans on your hip. What are you going to say, Sheldon? Steak and potatoes, baby. Steak, Steak and, and potatoes, potatoes, baby. We're in the store. All right. See you guys.